0: Hello, my name is Tepiwa Maseba and this is the Commercial Awareness Podcast. First, some headlines. Hong Kong is now in recession after months of protests that have deterred tourists and forced businesses to close. Ahead of the 2020 US election, Twitter has learned from Facebook's Cambridge Analytica scandal by stopping all political ads on the platform. Speaking of Cambridge Analytica, Facebook has agreed to pay a £500,000 fine, the highest possible to the information commissioner's office over the scandal. Luxury jeweler Boodles has joined forces with an African mining company, Hummingbird Resources, to produce ethically mined gold in what it claims to be the first collaboration of its kind. Third quarter net profits at HSBC, one of the world's largest banks, declined by 24%, prompting interim chief Noel Quinn to announce plans to remodel the bank. The EU has proposed a new anti-money laundering body in the wake of high-profile scandals involving Danske Bank and Deutsche Bank, and in a similar vein, the UK Treasury Committee has told banks to do more to prevent economic crime. Those are the headlines, and as always, links are provided in the description. Now the longer reads. With the first being that France's largest carmaker, PSA, which owns Peugeot, Citroën, and Vauxhall plans to merge with Italian-American Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, which will create the fourth-largest car maker in the world. The boards of both groups have approved a £35 billion merger, which would create a company with annual vehicle sales of £8.7 million, revenues of over £140 billion, and operating profits of almost £10 billion. The merger is expected to generate cost savings of almost £3 billion without any factory closures. However, This merger has already raised fears about Vauxhall's factory in Cheshire and the 1,100 people it employs, especially considering the merged group's CEO, Carlos Tavares, has already warned the ramifications of a no-deal or bad Brexit deal. By thinking in those fears would be that no factory closures does not equal no job cuts, and Tavares has all but confirmed that, saying that though he'd prefer to produce new cars in that factory, if tariffs post-Brexit worsen, he would relocate that work. The merger is an all-share deal, with the intention to spread costs in autonomous and electric vehicle production. So there have been headlines, rightly so, about the dwindling car industry. We've spoken about a number of car makers cutting jobs or offices since the beginning of the podcast. But this merger could be quite positive in the long run for the car industry in Europe, at least for these two companies. A joint statement by the companies about the merger has already said that this merger would quote create an industry leader with the scale, capabilities, and resources to manage the new era in mobility, end quote. If they can lower production and research and development costs, it could better prepare them for the current consumer they face, a consumer looking for a more environmentally sustainable option, and not buying cars very often. Also, in a time of nearing global recession, companies bulking up could better prepare them for the tougher economic times to come. Sullivan and Cromwell, Linklaters, and French firms Darrois-Villet, Maillot-Prochier, and Prédent Pratt are involved in the merger. Credit for this story goes to Julia Kolewe, Charles Riley, Chris Isidore, Anna DeLiz, and Alan Tovey. Next, the EU has implemented new right-to-repair standards that will modify the relationship between consumers, manufacturers, and businesses. This right to repair means that from 2021, appliance companies will have to make longer lasting products and will have to supply spare parts for up to 10 years. This applies to lighting, washing machines, dishwashers and fridges. This is as a result of consumer complaints towards appliances breaking down just as the warranty expires and not being able to repair those products at a reasonable price and therefore feeling forced to buy new products creating waste by throwing old products away and producing more greenhouse gas emissions in the constant manufacturing of new products. These new standards do not allow the consumer to DIY it, however, as that would open risk and liability for the manufacturers, but the key spare parts will have to be accessible to independent professionals for repair. This move could result in nearly 50 million tons in CO2 emission savings and could directly save 20 billion euros on energy bills per year in Europe from 2030 onwards. So from a commercial awareness standpoint, this is interesting on a number of fronts. First, the environment. Back to the socially aware company and everything we want corporate governance to be, companies should be interested in being sustainable. However, sustainability does not always result in the highest profits. Which brings us to the second point, the companies. Selling fewer units as the years go by as they will be designed to last longer could mean a pinch in profits, leading to slower manufacturing, fewer factories, and then fewer jobs. Granted, this new dynamic would result in a more important middleman and the independent repair person, but the amount of new repair people may not equal the job cuts in these industries. The third point is in the parts themselves. These new standards would put an onus on the manufacturers to make new parts, but they may not even enjoy exclusive benefit of these parts if they fit the must-match or must-fit exceptions in IP. If I have said something completely foreign to you, in the simplest way possible, it means that some spare parts are, by design, unable to enjoy IP protection, meaning other manufacturers would be able to make the same parts and price them competitively. This makes the situation not ideal for them either. In short, this story shows the issues different stakeholders are presented with. And it may even bring innovation in terms of the companies as they look for new ways to make profit, possibly in investing in new repair divisions, or, like the appliances that coincidentally break down as the warranty expires, they may do the same to those replacement parts, meaning more replacement part sales in shorter windows of time. But that's just speculation. We'll see what these industries look like in 2021, and whether they result in any unintended consequences or become a net positive for business, the environment and society. We may even see a right to repair reach tech to the horror of many tech companies that express the security implications. But again, let's cross that bridge if and when we get there. For now, the question for you is, is the right to repair a needed trade-off for the businesses and for the greater good? And if not, how else should we address consumer and environmental concerns? Credit for this story goes to Roger Harabin. The final story is a general discussion about the cost of the moving Brexit deadline. This episode has been recorded on the 1st of November. This should have been the day after the EU cliff edge. However, the deadline has been moved again. As much of a relief as it may be for some, as it leaves room to negotiate tariffs and plan better, there is needed attention towards those companies forced to plan for a moving deadline and the cost of stockpiling. The Financial Times reports that total UK spending on Brexit planning is £6.3 billion so far, and that does not include the future losses some companies may incur if they no longer need all of the materials they stockpiled. Though companies are increasing their stock, it does not translate that demand increases at the same pace. In some cases, some consumers are actually putting off spending as they await Brexit. We've reported on it with Greg stockpiling their sausage rolls, but most retailers, food suppliers, manufacturers, and even consumers have had to stockpile before March 2019, then before the 31st of October, and now before the 31st of January, meaning any industry pains they will regularly suffer are now aggravated by the constant stockpiling. This creates short-term and long-term cash flow issues and begins skewing any data about the economic performance in the country. So, in the context of Brexit, We've already spoken of companies moving their HQs out of the UK, some companies threatening to leave, and some companies permanently leaving, but now we see the hardship the companies that stayed are facing as a result of the uncertainty. Not much else needs to be said about the story, but it does present us with another angle we can view the behemoth of a topic that is Brexit from. Credit for this story goes to James Blitz. This has been the Commercial Awareness Podcast. Links for the stories are in the description. Please like, follow, or rate the podcast on the platform you listen to it on. Please follow the podcast Instagram at CommawarePod. That is C-O-M-M-A-W-A-R-E-P-O-D. Thank you for listening, and you will hear from me next week.